Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying the episodes and recipes from season two. Here's one more for you all. This one's from Chef Ken Oranger. If you've listened before and cooked along with us in season two, you know we had a great partner in Vertex Pharmaceuticals. As part of this partnership with employees at Vertex working from home like many of us, we decided to give the team at Vertex a break from all their hard work and participate in a virtual cook-along with Chef Ken Oranger. Ken is a James Beard award-winning chef who's built an empire of restaurants inspired by his global travels from Boston to Dubai. I mean, this guy clearly knows how to cook. This was such a blast to be able to cook with an incredible chef like Ken Oranger while people from literally around the globe made his Mexican fish sopes in real time. Now that we all cooked along, we want you to join us. So I'll stop talking. Let's roll this bonus episode for season two of Cook Tracks and get cooking. I'm Rach, Rachel Ray, and you're listening to Cook Tracks. It's a brand new, super cool way to cook. Each episode will be right alongside you. Well, kind of, will be in your ear, taking you step-by-step through a dish or a meal in real time. We'll be adding a little pinch of tips, tricks, and fun stories to keep you guys entertained and up your cooking game. Needless to say, we've got your back in the kitchen. I mean it, guys. You literally don't have to worry about a thing. I'm going to keep you on track with my buddy, Cappy. Think of him as our kind of play-by-play announcer for the cook-along. And since not all stoves are created equal, boy, do I know that. If you guys get a little caught up, just hit pause. You don't have to read a recipe, and it isn't rocket science. This is not something you're supposed to take seriously. We want you guys to have fun. Follow along, and at the end of each episode, we'll have made a dish or a meal from start to finish together. Gather up your ingredients, pour yourself a drink or a cup of tea, and turn your volume up to 11. This is Cook Tracks. Let's talk prep work. You can keep on listening to this episode, but if you go to your episode notes on your device or cooktracks.com, you'll find the ingredients and equipment list that you need to cook along with us. All right, everyone, enjoy this bonus episode with Chef Ken Oranger. Chef Ken Oranger, are you there, bud? Absolutely, Cappy. Sykes. Nice to talk to you and make this happen. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for being with us. So for everybody, Ken, Ken's one of the nicest, most kind, talented chefs I know, truly. And I'm not just saying that. I've known him for years. <laughs> I've known him for years. I've had the fortunate opportunity to cook with him, um, cook alongside him uh, during some fun events and travels. Um, so I really know how talented he is. I-, I love watching what he's doing because he's such a laid back guy. He-, he-, he puts ingredients together to make a dish. And I just have my eye on him because it's like I know that he knows it's going to be fantastic, but he doesn't brag like that. And then once you take a bite, you're like, Wow, that was good. Um, so I'm most certain that this dish today is going to give you that reaction uh, as well. Ken, why don't you share what you're making? We'll do a little roll call of ingredients so everyone knows what should be in front of them. We could stop down for 30 seconds or so and then uh, get cooking. Sound good? Absolutely. So welcome, everybody. Um, we're making Mexican fish sopes. And sopes are basically... It's kind of like a tortilla that has crimped pie crust type edges. So it makes almost like a little boat. So it's a little bit thicker than a tortilla, which tortillas to me, 
I love tortillas, especially homemade tortillas, but after a while they get a little boring, monotonous. So it's fun to play around with masa, which is basically uh, the mix that all tortillas are made out of because in Mexico there's hundreds, if not thousands of variations of masa that, that are made from different regions. So we're making a soap base today with Mexican style marinated uh, fish and a charred tomato salsa. So we're gonna start with the marinade for the fish and we'll go through the ingredients. So we have some cilantro, okay, better man, Want a little chopped cilantro. Okay, we have a little bit of soy sauce. Okay, we have some fish sauce. We have some hot sauce. We have some paprika and some ground cumin. We have some melted coconut oil, and we have a lot of uh, chopped garlic, which again, I love garlic, and especially in Mexican style fish, it is uh, so important. And then a little bit of uh, fresh squeezed lemon juice. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. So should we get started, Kathy? Yeah, let's get started on the marinade, and then we could you know, go back to the next component of it. If anyone needs to run to the fridge or the pantry, um, go for it. We'll, we, we, okay. we can wait a sec for you, but uh, all good. I think it's just a, okay. a good mix here. All right, so when I cook at home, guys, unlike restaurants, I like to keep things as simple as possible. I don't like to make a mess. I like to keep things uh, easy, and I want to always be able, especially when I'm entertaining, I want to be able to have a margarita or a mezcal or something in my hands while I'm cooking because I don't want to be working around the clock when cooking is fun and relaxing to me, especially when I'm doing it at home. So this recipe is foolproof. You can use it for steak, chicken, tofu, any kind of fish. Uh, so feel free to improvise. Okay, so we're gonna put our cilantro in a bowl. And then we have our maple syrup and our soy sauce. Okay. Fish sauce, you don't see this used very often in uh, Mexican food, but Cappy knows that I will pretty much stop at nothing to get flavor in a dish. And I happen to love Southeast Asia. So we're going to- Okay. Add- I, I have like, I have fish sauce in my fridge and I still am not like well-versed in it. Can you share some other things people can do with fish sauce if they did buy a bottle and are only using, you know, a little bit for this? Fish sauce to me makes the world's best dipping sauce. Uh, all you have to do is mix a little fish sauce, a little bit of sugar or brown sugar, a little bit of vinegar, any type is fine, or lemon juice or lime juice. So just acid, sweet, and you know the nice umami, salty fish sauce. And then you can add gingers, garlic, chili, cilantro, any and or all of those. And it makes the best dipping sauce for anything from dumplings to spring rolls to uh, crudités to cooked meats, cooked fish, salads, anything. So awesome. that's, that's what I love to use it for. Okay. So, and if you don't have fish sauce, a little bit of miso can give you that same umami effect as well. Okay, hot sauce. This is Mexican hot sauce and one of my favorites called tapatio. And I know you like this too, Cappy, being from Chicago, it's such great Mexican food. So if you like it spicy, you can go a little bit more, but we're just gonna add pretty much about a teaspoon or so. And for those watching at home, that's Ken's daughter, Verven, with that close-up shot camera. Hi, (laughs) Verven. Okay, so here's the cumin and paprika. So we're making kind of a, a rub, almost. Like when you make barbecue, a lot of uh, people make rubs. So we're making almost like a rub marinade for the fish that it can cook in and marinate. So we're adding the chopped garlic now too. We're gonna add a little bit of fresh squeezed lemon juice, which 
is very important. But if you don't have fresh squeezed, you can just use bottled lemon juice is fine. Or if you don't have lemon juice, any type of uh, orange juice, lime juice, anything will work. Okay, but it's important that we get a little bit of that fresh acidic flavor. And then we have a little bit of melted coconut oil because rubs should have kind of a nice little effect where the oil can coat and marinate the fish, but it can also act as a cooking lubricant so that nothing really uh, will stick once you're cooking this in the oven. And if you like to grill this, you can even grill it, but we're going on the easy route today, just going the oven. Okay, so marinade is done. Any questions on that, Kathy? No, I think we're good. Thank you. Hi, Luca. Hi. Okay, this is Luca, guys. All right. And these guys love soap base pretty much more than anybody does. So now what we're going to do is we're going to use a spoon and we're going to kind of just glaze the fish. And so what we use here is some bronzino. Uh, we mentioned in the recipe that you guys can feel free to use any of your favorite kinds of fish. So it can be salmon, it can be swordfish, it can be uh, cod, it can be pretty much anything from uh, that your fishmonger can get fresh. Mahi-mahi is really great for, uh, for this. And you can also use this type of marinade and preparation for fish tacos. I mean, everybody loves fish tacos also. And the way I show you how to make the soap base, even if you wanted to mess it up and play around, you can make these into really delicious uh, grilled fish tacos. Hey, Chef, question. I know the recipe we said for everybody to let it marinate at least 15 minutes or up to an hour, but um, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, you'd probably get even more flavor for longer. Is this something that they could people could leave overnight or do they not want to do that long? Well, it depends on the fish. If you have swordfish that's, uh, you know, a good inch and a half thick, then you can probably marinate it overnight. If you have a thin filet like a bronzino, uh, then I would do it more in the hour, you know, maybe two hour range. But uh, it's, you know, the more you marinate the fish, the more flavor it will absorb. But because we're cooking it on foil and we're not grilling it, it will cook almost like a confit in its own juices already anyway. So it's not like that flavor will uh, disappear. It'll just act more like a glaze than to be seeped in as a marinade. So it'll awesome. still be delicious either way. Awesome. Do you mind just sliding that fish sauce bottle over a little bit? Okay. Perfect, thank you. All right, here we go. All right, so now this is ready. And what do you think, Kathy? Should I throw this in the oven or should we get started on the uh, soap base first? Uh, let's, let, let's let that marinate a little bit. Okay. And people and the and people can have their oven preheated, right? Yeah. So preheat your oven to 450, awesome. and you can use toaster ovens. You can use a grill if you like, um, but uh, oven is pretty much the easiest. Okay. All right. So now we'll go to the soap base, and what we're going to do with this, and I'll show you maseka, which, believe it or not is probably easier to find than, than you would think in, in supermarkets. Uh, it's something that's used in Mexican food, but you find them pretty much in any supermarket now because it's so versatile and you can make corn pancakes, you can make tortillas, you can make uh, all sorts of different things with it. So once you start looking for it, you'd be surprised and shocked that bodegas and Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and a ton of supermarkets uh, carry it. Okay, and if you really are into it, you can go online, you can find, there's a lot of great, especially in New England, there's some great uh, mills that are growing their own uh, organic corn, non-GMO, and they're uh, making really artisanal 
um, masa that you can uh, get shipped, which is really wonderful. And from blue corn to yellow corn to white corn. So if you're really into it, you can find those as well. So it's almost equal parts. Uh, Luca, can you help me, please? Can you get me um, one and a half cups of uh, water, please? So it's almost equal parts of the maseca and water. And what we want to do is we want to rehydrate this. So we're going to add a little bit of salt. We added some Himalayan sea salt uh, prior to uh, filming. And then we're going to add the one and a half cups. Oh, thank you, Luca. Did Luca just call you chef? Yes, he did. I have my son call me chef. Basically, he's not even allowed to call me daddy anymore. <laughs> so, especially since we're not in the restaurants uh, much these days. I need to be Okay, so one and a half cups of hot water, which will uh, hydrate the masa. And we're just going to mix it. You can use a spoon, you can use a fork. And it's not like working with flour where you have to worry about overmixing. Here, you can kind of mix as much as you'd like because it's not going to overwork it. Chef, you mentioned Himalayan uh, salt. Is that personal preference? And if someone has like iodized salt or kosher salt, that, that's fine too? Yeah, any salt is fine. I personally like Himalayan sea salt. I think it uh, has a little bit more character than, mm. uh, than kosher salt. But... Um, you can use any that you like. So now you could, once you get it mixed, then you can see it starts coming together and then you're gonna knead it a little bit to kind of make one giant mass blob, basically. And I think you, but, maybe you mentioned this to me, I don't remember, but the texture-wise, texture, texture wise, it's almost like, I think someone said like, like Play-Doh almost. Exactly, this should feel exactly like Play-Doh. It won't have that delicious smell of Play-Doh, but it'll have <laughs> But it'll have kind of its own, uh, own unique smell, and that hot water really brings out that nuances of the corn. Okay, and it's a good point you made about it's not like flour because I think I was expecting to mix it and knead it for a while, like it like I was making a bread dough or something. But it's not that. Yeah, once it comes together, it's good. you really don't have to do. You don't have to put on a board and knead it like pasta dough or anything like that. Okay, so now ready to roll, and what we're gonna do is. It, very important that you keep this covered as you're working with it because it can dry out very quickly and then it gets a little crumbly. So you can cover it with a damp towel if you like, or you can use plastic wrap if you like. Um, either is fine. So I'll just cover it with that and then I'll show you guys how we shape them up. Okay, so what we want to do is we want to take a Ziploc bag that you can cut one side off of. And this is a trick that I learned from the streets in uh, Oaxaca, in Mexico, watching, I know, Cappy, you're into street food as much as I am, and just watching all the incredible uh, women cooking these in the marketplaces in Oaxaca, I was like, man, this is amazing. And then I saw how they were getting the shapes, and then I was like, man, they're using, like, Ziploc bags to do this. This isn't any fancy equipment. You'd think you'd need a tortilla press or whatever, but... They were just using Ziploc bags with that little cut in it. And you take the size of about a golf ball. And I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a golfer. I don't think I've golfed in probably over 20 years. But I think this is about the size of a golf ball. And then what you want to do is basically put it in the middle of the bag. Use your palm and press. 
okay? And you can see now, if you want to make a tortilla, you would use a plastic bag and use the tortilla press to get it a little flatter, but we're not trying to get it very flat. So don't feel like you have to use so much strength. You know, a grandma could do this, a kid can do it. So you just want to press it until it's kind of uniform. And then you open up the bag and you kind of crimp the edges, just push them in and just kind of make like a little vessel with a tiny bit of a raised rim. Okay, see how I'm pushing and then pressing my fingers to make this little kind of like a raised edge. Okay, there you got that. And there we go, and that's a soap bed. Awesome, and ultimately that raised edge like creates almost like a, a, a cup shape, So, and that's what that holds the ingredients, right? Absolutely. So that will hold all the, that marinade from the fish and all the really delicious salsas and other things that we're going to make as well. So I'm going to pop it right here. And then you can go ahead and, and bang out, you know, as many as you like. I mean, this will give you probably about, I don't know, about a dozen or so sopes. Uh, I don't want to waste your time making. Uh, well, let's, we'll, yeah, we'll make a few. And then if you're cooking along at home, you'll, you'll get the gist. Okay. And so, like, if you if you're having a party and you wanted to make these as like a smaller appetizer size, or if you wanted them like as a bigger, almost like a bigger size, I guess it'd be hard, maybe hard to work with and flip if it was a much bigger. But you could kind of. They're not that difficult to work with, Cappy. I mean, the smaller definitely the easier. Like to make these, like if you're having a party, what I love, probably my favorite soap base on earth, are the really small ones, and you fill them with uh, crab salad. Ooh. And then you put your favorite salsa and some guacamole. Oh man, they are like perfect, especially for summer. And you know, being that we're in New England, a little lobster salad sope, you will blow people's minds when you guys are having friends over for uh, you know for a little barbecue or something like that. That sounds good. But if you want to make them big, you can just kind of uh, use a larger plastic wrap or parchment. Parchment paper works if it's uh, the coated parchment paper, so you can make it a little flatter, and then it's make what the shape is different, so it's called usually a huareche, which basically is kind of an oblong, uh, really delicious. Actually, it's my wife's favorite, uh, favorite thing on earth with uh, chorizo and lettuce and, and cotija cheese and guacamole and black beans, so really delicious. I gotta be honest, I tested these the other day um, and my wife and I kind of sat there, like just breaking them up after they were cooked, like eating them like chips, like with guacamole, <laughs> they were incredible. Okay, so now Verven's going to bring us over. We're going to cook these up. So what you want to do is you want to preheat your pan with uh, some oil. And, and again, you can use coconut oil. You can use um, canola oil. Uh, you can, even if you uh, had whatever you had on hand, you know, in Mexico, they'll, they'll use uh, sometimes some rice bran oil. But um, any, any fat is fine as long as... Uh, it has a temperature that won't burn. You don't want to cook these with too high of a heat, but you still want to be able to get them brown without having them taste bitter. So we'll make one more quick one, So because I know Luca is probably going to want one, and I'm going to be devouring this as well. And then I know for everybody, if you're cooking along, I we set a half a cup of vegetable oil to cook the soap base, but that may depend on the size of your pan. So I apologize if I miss this. You, do you kind of want to coat the bottom of your pan or like a quarter inch of oil? Or? Yeah, Ferran, you want to show them? Yeah, so Ferran, I'll show right here. So it's uh, 
it's definitely not deep fried. It's kind of um, shallow fry. Okay. And you want just enough where they can kind of uh, gently swim. And then we'll show you now. Uh, see how the oil is kind of not really sizzling like when you're deep frying. It's just kind of um, because you want them to crisp up and you don't want to rush them. Got it. So we'll cook those up now. And so the oil comes up almost about uh, halfway to the sides. Those look good. Okay. All right, so we're gonna cook those up, Kathy, and I'm gonna lower the heat. So you can see now we're gonna launch the flame. We have, we're going at kind of a, a medium to medium high heat. If you're a little bit nervous, sometimes if you want to be cooking other things uh, or making your salsa um, at the same time, you can definitely lower the heat and it won't affect it at all. So it's probably better to go lower heat than, than too high of heat where you can probably get some uh, burn spots on it. Okay? But, but ultimately you want to make sure there's like the little sizzle of bubbles. And if you add that and don't get that, should we just remove it and wait for it to get a little hotter? Yes. So. So, so we're going to show now again how they're just kind of uh, doing their thing. And you don't want to move them either yet because if you move them too soon, sometimes they can stick. Or you can use a no-stick pan if you like as well. So when you're cooking it, you can kind of look to the sides and look to the bottom. And once you see it's starting to get GB&D, golden brown and delicious, that's when it's time to flip over. Okay? And if you're going to make the rim a little higher then that means that you should probably add a little bit more oil because when you flip it, you want to be able to have uh, the oil be able to cook all those kind of nooks and crannies. So you don't want to have just the edges getting crisp where the inside is still raw, okay? I'm getting real hungry. <laughs> so now let's, um, what do you think? Do you want to make the salsa, Kathy, or should we uh, pop the fish in the oven? Uh... Hmm, let's pop the fish in the oven. Okay. All right, guys, so let me show you the fish here, man. You want to show real quick again? So how bad can this be, guys? I mean, just look at this as it is. And it, it looks so Mexican, that kind of like burnt, uh, rusted, red, you know, it looks almost like charred uh, chilies already. So it's gonna be really, really uh, perfect. Even if you don't serve it as soap-based, this is a great, simple, easy dinner that you can uh, make in you know, in 15 minutes. Okay, so we're gonna pop it in the oven, 450 degrees. Okay. And let's uh, show you guys the charred tomato sauce. Okay, so let's poke over here right now, real quick. So now you can see that they're moving, so they're not sticking, which is great. And they're Starting to get a little golden brown inside. See where then how just starting to get a little color. So we're not gonna flip them yet, but uh, probably in about another two minutes or so. Okay, and if you're getting a little nervous, you can lower the flame a little bit more. Okay, so now our salsa. So I will show you guys the ingredients first, and then we'll move over to the blender. And you can use a food processor or a blender for, for this salsa. It really depends on what texture you like. No rules uh, here either. So what we did is uh, I called for five tomatoes. I wanted to make a small batch because I actually just made a batch of this uh, the other day. So to practice it, and I don't want to be stuck with too much salsa, so I lowered the tomatoes a little bit. But so 
You can use three tomatoes, five tomatoes. You can use tomatillos and tomatoes. You can use any kind of tomatoes. It really doesn't matter. And you can see that when I say char, I mean char. So yeah. the darker you get them, the more uh, kind of personality your salsa will have. I'm not the biggest fan of the salsa fresca. Um, what's, that, what's that called, Cappy? Like that one you get at like the, every Mexican restaurant, the raw tomato salsa. I don't know. What is, what is, what's that called again? Um, Not the pico, pico de gallo? Pico de gallo, yes. Yeah. So, I'm not the biggest fan of pico de gallo. I think it's too generic. So these have, it's kind of like pico de gallo, but with, with uh, some personality because we're charring the tomatoes, we're charring the onion, um, we're charring the garlic. And is that garlic, so for everybody um, at home, if you're um, cooking, you'll notice obviously he charred this. So feel free to just kind of watch this for demonstration purposes and then you could tackle this um, after. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to waste uh, your time because to char these can take um, sometimes a good 15 minutes, sometimes even longer if you want to go for a darker char. And, um, but, Feel free to use if you have a jarred salsa that you like. A lot of times at home, I'll, I'll have jarred uh, salsas and won't have time to make these. But now that summer is upon us, fresh tomatoes, I highly recommend this. Again, with fish, poultry, steak, it's amazing on like grilled ribeyes. It's, it's kind of like a Mexican chimichurri almost. Hey, okay. Chef, is that garlic that you charred? Is that that's cracked from the skin and then charred? Yeah, cracked from the skin. So it's uh, just a peeled uh, clove of garlic. And... You see the onion is peeled and charred on both sides as well. Got it. All right, so use your nose when you're cooking. I think that's one tip that, um, that I try to tell a lot of people is that you can kind of from smell, you can have the instincts to understand when things are done. So now I'm starting to really smell that cooked corn, almost tortilla chippy type uh, smell. So I'm just gonna show you how now you can see how Oh, yeah. It's pretty much ready to flip. So watch out for a minute. I'm going to splash you. Okay, so we just need a spatula. See now how that's gotten crispy. And then you all notice that sometimes chefs have zero feeling in their fingers. So um, when I did this at home, I kind of use instead of my fingers, I just used a fork to gently place it back down. <laughs> <laughs> if I was cooking with Kathy, I probably would have uh, yelled at him if he would have tried to use a fork to flip the soap. <laughs> So now I'm going to lower the flame again a tiny bit just uh, so that I don't have to give it so much attention. I'm, I'm going to go make the salsa with you guys. Okay, so now we're going to come to the blender. And salsas are so easy uh, because all you need to do is throw everything together. Okay, so we have our tomatoes, we have our onion, we have our garlic, cilantro. People usually tend to throw the stems in the garbage. As long as you wash it, the stems actually have more flavor than the leaves do. And Thailand, in Thailand, when they make uh, curry paste, especially green curry paste, they use the cilantro root and not the leaves because it has so much flavor. So definitely, please, please, please keep those uh, cilantro stems. They're phenomenal. Raise your hand if you've been throwing out cilantro stems. My gosh. Okay, and then we're gonna squeeze some lime juice to taste. I tend to like mine very acidic. So I'm gonna put a good amount of lime. This is one lime juice. Okay, and you don't need any fancy utensils. You can just use your hands for this. Okay, and tomatoes, 
definitely require a good amount of salt. So let's let's uh, get this Himalayan sea salt again. And push that in. Okay. And then we're going to just kind of pulse it and blend it. Okay. Okay, bear man. So we're going to stay here. Well, those tortillas look bear man, so basic. Uh, okay. All right, so we're going to start on low, uh, low power. Okay, sorry about the noise, guys, but what we can do here. And then we're going to pulse it. So we're going to go from up to high, up to high, up to high. And that will give us the texture that we want. The texture that we want, go up to high, low to high, low to high. Low to high, and one last blast. Okay, so now we've got our salsa, and I'm gonna pour it back in this bowl here, so I'm going to show you guys what I'm talking about with texture from salsa. Yeah. Okay, so it's chunky, and that's uh, that's the way salsa should be. Okay. And chef, how long, like, you know, a lot of jarred salsas, some, not a lot, some have preservatives, so they could stay a while in the fridge, some are more fresh, something like this, if you want to keep it in the fridge, how long would you say it lasts for? This will last, I would say for well, a good five days. Okay. Good five days. I mean, the more you cook the tomatoes or the tomatillos, uh, probably the longer it will last. So if you really char them and you get rid of uh, a lot of the evaporation on the tomatoes, then it'll last a lot longer because it won't have the fresh tomato juice, which will tend to uh, ferment a little bit. Okay, right. so the less moisture, or if you want to make this with dried chilies, uh, that salsa will last for weeks, which uh, sometimes I'll just do some toasted dried chilies with the cilantro and the garlic and the onion, and that will last for weeks. Okay, so here you can see the texture. Nice. You want to uh, get that? and. I would rather have this than um, the fresh salsa any day of the week. Can we get that shot on Berven's camera? Awesome. Yeah. See that? Chunky, delicious. Okay. And it looks like Mexico also. Okay. So let's check our soap base, guys. Good thing I lowered the flame because uh, I kind of forgot about it for a second there. And now you can see as we flip that the side is crispy. So we're going to take them and drain them on a towel. Paper towels work too if you're cooking at home. We all don't have, you know, chef towels at the house. Yeah, paper towels are perfectly fine. <laughs> towels are kind of um, a very valuable resource in our kitchen. We try not to, uh, to use too many, but uh, as green as possible. Okay, so now we're going to show you guys. And these, I'm telling you guys, you take these, even if you just take like mozzarella cheese or queso fresco, and you put a little cheese on these now and put them in the oven and just melt it. Oh man, they're like better than any quesadilla. They're phenomenal, crispy, crunchy, and just the melty, oozy cheese on top with the salsa, it's perfection. Okay, so now I'm gonna check on the fish. You guys get to see my Beautiful mix and match oven mix. <laughs> burnt and ripped many times over. Who doesn't have a burnt oven mitt in their kitchen? Oh, 
Okay. So now, depends. You want to get a picture of that? See, it's like how beautiful it is. Mm. Okay. Zoom out. Just be careful. Okay. I always love when chefs cook fish during demos because I think for the home cook, it could be daunting, but it's really not that hard as compared to some other piece of meat or chicken that someone cooks at home. So when the fish comes out, Berman is shown now, we're just gonna kind of baste it a little bit so that we can take that marinade and just glaze it so that the whole piece is kind of moistened. Okay. All right, perfect. And with the Franzino, what you can do to test is just kind of feel it. And when fish just becomes firm, that's when you know it's ready. Okay, so it's giving this tiny, tiny bit. You can see right here, I'm pushing it in and then you can feel. Okay, so that feels great. All right. And I think we're ready to assemble these, Kathy, if you are. Uh, I mean, I wish I was right there to eat them, but you know, I'm as ready as I can be. Okay, so what we're going to do now is garnish it with a little bit of shredded lettuce. And this is just, this is actually a little gem. You can use uh, iceberg, you can use romaine, you can use bit, you can use mescaline, you can use spinach, anything that you like. I like a uh, nice crunchy lettuce on top of this. So, Ken, do you mind sliding the... Um water glass and hot sauce over a little bit. Sorry guys. Perfect. That's perfect, thank you. Okay. So then what we're gonna do is just uh, shred it, or in French we call it chiffonade, and I have some cilantro on my knife, kind of purposely, because uh, I love a little cilantro on anything. And so to chiffonade, you can see, you stack the leaves, and if you want, you can roll them up tighter if you're a little bit worried about uh, really getting it uniform and you roll them up tight and then you just let the kind of the bottom of your knife do the work. A lot of people when they chop tend to really rough, you know, they, they put, try to put too much muscle into it. With uh, You can learn a lot from the Japanese uh, with sushi knives is you want the knife to be sharp and then you just want to put as little about pressure on it as possible. Okay, so now you can see it's, it's almost as if I have a razor blade in my fingers and I'm just going down, not even putting any pressure because if I just smash this, it would bruise the lettuce or bruise the herbs, and then they get really kind of watery and bitter. And same thing uh, happens with onions as well, if you kind of smash them too much, okay? So just a little bit of shredded lettuce, okay? Or chiffonade, because Cappy is so fancy. <laughs> and then we're gonna take some avocado, and again, you can use guacamole here, you can use sliced avocados. Uh, I like to mix it up right now, we're gonna keep it on the simpler side and just go with the fresh uh, slices of avocado. So just take our avocados and give it a twist. And this is a miracle. Usually like one out of every 10 avocados is perfect. And this one for you guys definitely looks perfect. Okay, and what I like to do is slice it while it's in the shell and in the skin, and then just kind of, okay, you want to show those little slits? And then I'm gonna take a spoon and scoop it out. So this way it's much easier to, to get perfect slices. And 
we will assemble this and I'll show you guys once we garnish that. So we're gonna take the sope, put it on the plate, and then we're gonna take some of the fish. Okay, do you wanna come over here? And you can flake the fish if you like, or if you have bronzino or something that, that can fit a nice little chunk, you can put the chunk right on there. Okay, and you can see how delicious this fish is. And I'll, I'll put a little bit more because I'm starting to get hungry here myself. <laughs> and take some of the juices. Okay. And then what we're gonna do is put some of the salsa on top. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm hungry. And then we're going to put a little bit of the avocado, which see now I'm taking a spoon underneath and just kind of lifting out these slices. Okay, and then you can kind of fan them a little bit, make it fancy. Okay, and then we'll put some of the shredded lettuce on top. And just because this is for me, and throw a little more hot sauce on top. Okay, let me wipe off the side, make it nice for uh, the camera. Excuse me, Bervin, take this. Nice shot there, Bervin. Bervin, she's a pro. All right, and that's our Mexican fish soap base, guys. Start to finish. Amazing, amazing. Could you tip it up to the camera in front of you so we could get that shot also? A view, yep. yeah, nice, beautiful. Awesome. I love it. Guys, this is, this is Chef Ken Oranger's food right here. You, if, if you're cooking along, we want to know how, how it is. is it I'm taking a bite, guys. I can't wait. This is hot. Go, go for it. Go for it. If you're, if you're cooking along, we want, we want to know how it is. Is it delicious? I mean, this is, this is Ken's food. You're going to like amaze yourself with how delicious. You're, you're, gonna, you're not going to believe what came out of your own kitchen. Good, Ken? That is amazing, Pat. You would love this, too. I wanted to, to give my thanks for, for your time to the whole Oranger family. This was super fun. Um, looks super delicious. If you're cooking along at home, please post it, as we said. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious how they all turned out. If you're about to, if you're going to go cook it later tonight or, or the next day, enjoy. As we said, have fun in the kitchen. Um, thank you, everybody, again, for joining us. Come to restaurants, please. Whether you listen for fun or cooked along with us, we thank you. If you did cook this recipe, take a pic and tag it with hashtag CookTracks. Let us know how it came out. We want to see it. For decades, Vertex has been inspired by and working hard for the cystic fibrosis community, also known as the CF community. CookTracks partnered with Vertex and the CF nutritionist to create meals that meet the dietary needs of people living with CF. These recipes can also be enjoyed by the whole family. To learn more about Vertex and cystic fibrosis, visit www.vrtx.com. And to find additional recipes that the whole family can enjoy, visit the CF Kitchen at www.everyday-cf.com. Vertex, we thank you for your support of this series. Keep up to date with us on Instagram at CookTracks or at CookTracks.com. CookTracks is cooked up by myself, Ian Cohen, Charlie Dugiello, and Rachel Ray. With editing help from Jill Yetton. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Cook Tracks. We've got your back in the kitchen. <laughs>